Well, church, it's uh, closing 2020 and uh, opening 2021 in, I guess, just a week or thereabouts. So I wanted to close the year by preparing us for 2021. I wanted to close the year by uh, preaching on how to be a giant killer. Obviously, uh, America faced a giant in 2020, and some did well, some didn't do well. But 2021 will carry its own expressions of challenge. We don't know what they are. We can't know what they are. We don't see around corners. And whatever the year brings, whether it be challenge or just pure blessing, we are going to be victorious in all of it. Amen? And so I want to give you how to be a giant killer, and we'll spend the whole morning in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So all of our scripture verses are 1 Samuel 17. Amen. <clears throat> now, church, when you meet a giant, you will meet yourself. When you face a giant, you truly get to see yourself. In this particular story, 1 Samuel, uh, we have Goliath and David. Each has been appointed as champion for his people. So the Philistines have put forth Goliath as their champion. The Jews, the Israelites, they can't find anybody to be their champion because the two champions will go out and fight on behalf of the armies, on behalf of the nations, and the victor of that one small battle will be the victor of the war. Hello? And so, basically, <clears throat> all of Israel, all of God's people are paralyzed by the size of the obstacle in front of them. Israel can't find a champion. And so, we look at the story of David, who becomes the champion, and of course, Goliath was the Philistine champion. These two are going to meet, <clears throat> and the outcome of that meeting will be the determination of the entire war between these two peoples. <clears throat> so, 10 things you need to know to be a giant killer. Number one, giant killers don't start as giant killers. Verse 17, I mean chapter 17, 1 Samuel, verses 13 and 14. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. Their names were Eliab the firstborn, Abinadab the second, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. So there are seven sons of Jesse, seven brothers. We have named the firstborn Eliab. So he is the uh, prince in the family, so to speak. He is firstborn. He gets the double portion. When the man of God is told to go to Jesse's house and anoint the next king of Israel, he will go and he will start with Eliab, the firstborn. But God says, no, that's not him. He will then move on to the secondborn, Abinadab, 
and God says, no, that's not him. He will then move on to the thirdborn, Shema, and God says, no, that's not him. Are you getting the picture? That is to say, David is the runt. David is number seven. David, <coughs> excuse me. David is simply seen as the good-looking musician, the, the young one, the one who hangs out, you know, on the hillside, takes care of uh, his father's sheep. And that's about all anybody can, can give to David's account. He's not the prince in the family, so to speak. But I come to chat, uh, verse 20. So David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. So <clears throat> he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. So David is going to go out. He has not ever been a giant killer before. You don't start as giant killers. The first thing you want to know about David is that David was faithful in the little things. Giant killers are not made overnight. Giant killers are the product of a life of being faithful in the little things. The way of God is to keep you and watch you as you are faithful in little things. Then he advances you to greater things. Amen? Amen. And so every day for 40 days, the Philistines have come out, the Israelites have come out, the Israelites are shouting uh, in regards to the battle for 40 days. It reminds me of certain Christian prayer meetings and a bunch of Christians going to church, all dressed up, going to church, hollering at the devil, and going home still in defeat. What a shame. God's people are to live in victory. God's people need somebody to step up as a champion. God's people are victorious. They're not beaten and defeated people. Amen. And so here they are. Get this. Giants are killed by people who are faithful in little things. Number two, giant killers recognize the potential outcomes, the potential rewards. Verse 25 and 6, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? David has arrived at the battle scene being obedient to his dad, being faithful in the little things. And the people say to him, surely he's come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. This is all news to David. He has been tending sheep on the hillside, honoring his father. Verse 26, and David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? That is to say, am I hearing right? There's actually a reward attached to whacking this devil? He's beside himself. 
Amen. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Amen. So what a change. The whole army has come together day after day after day, and the army is looking at Goliath. Whereas instead of looking at the problem, David is looking at the answer, God. God has a covenant with his people, and David is looking at God and is aware of the reward. You know, all around you there are eyes that are looking, but not so many eyes that are seeing. God shows you himself in these things. It's important to know that your eyes are opened when God gives you a vision for the victory. Amen? So think about the prophet of God, Elisha. Elisha has really irritated the king of Syria. And the king of Syria is so upset that he creates a commission and he uh, sends his entire army to collect one man, Elisha. Amazing. Amen? Anyway, so Elisha is at rest in the city of Dothan. He has with him his uh, servant. And during the night, the Syrian army has arrived, and they have completely encircled the city of Dothan. This is a huge army uh, and such. And the servant awakes, and he's like, oh, no. And then basically, you know, Elijah says, what's up, man? And he goes, alas, alack, master. You know, look at this army that's come out to whack us. And the man of God is, is essentially irritated and frustrated. And he just kind of is exasperated. He goes like, God, would you please open this kid's eyes? And God opens his eyes and suddenly there isn't one army surrounding the city of Dothan, but God has sent his army to get in between Elisha and the forces that have come to kill him off. Elisha has said to him, greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. All of us need to be praying, oh God, would you open the eyes of your servants that they might know greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. Amen. So giant killers don't start as giant killers. Giant killers see the potential reward. And then number three, giant killers do not listen to doubters. We'll look at just a few doubters here. First doubter, number one, is Eliab, the firstborn son of Jesse. This is somebody that David looks up to. In the Hebrew culture, the uh, firstborn is entitled to a double portion because they have to fill in like a surrogate father. If the father were to perish, the firstborn would be responsible to raise the next 
batch. And there is a benefit attached to that uh, place of being the firstborn. So we see that the first doubter is Eliab, <laughs> David's oldest brother. Verse 28, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Somebody help me here. This is the oldest brother picking on the runt in the family, if you will, challenging, etc. Basically, David saying, is there not a, ca a cause? So, number one, Eliab has sibling rank. And we all probably uh, in life have at some point have had someone over us questioning our motives, questioning why we're doing something. Just do keep in mind that as is true here with Eliab, Eliab has been passed over as the king of Israel and David has been anointed. Often, your critics will have other issues in life. Amen. Amen. The second doubter we meet is Saul, <clears throat> because anyone who has never faced a giant will tell you you can't. Verse 31, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So, if you've never faced a giant, it's easy to tell other people they can't. David is faced with that right now, and Saul is over him positionally. Saul is the king of the nation that needs a champion. We do know Scripture shows us that Saul was a petty, jealous man, and in, as such, understand he is criticizing David for wanting to do something that he himself, Saul, will not do. Saul, by the way, was the largest man in Israel. He stood head and shoulders above every other soldier, every other man in the country. Saul was huge. He was more or less a giant in his own right and he was king, he is the one who is supposed to meet Goliath as champion of the nation. But he won't, so he's criticizing David for wanting to. Amen? And then, of course, the third doubter is Goliath himself. As the story continues, we find here that Goliath is over David in ability. And those who are over someone in ability will often criticize because they have no 
concept whatsoever of God's covenant anointing. Hello? Amen. All right. So, fourth thing you need to know to be a giant killer, giant killers are not overwhelmed by the challenge. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David is not overwhelmed, even though Israel is. How do you get overwhelmed? Well, it's not that hard <laughs> uh, when giants are aggressive. Goliath has been out for 40 occasions or 40 days, perhaps more than once, but he's been out for 40 consecutive days taunting Israel, defying their God. Amen? So, so how do you get uh, overwhelmed? Well, giants come with uh, rumors. There are rumors in the camp about their reputation and such. So it is well known in Israel what the exploits of uh, Goliath have been. How do you get overwhelmed? Well, when others who are supposed to take up the battle won't do it. Others like older brothers, others like the king and such. When others won't take a stand uh, to, due to fear, it can be contagious. Amen? So, giants can defeat us psychologically. That is to say, we can lose the battle before it ever ensues if we listen to the rumors. And lastly, I would say we get overwhelmed when we procrastinate. You need to attack your giant on day one, not day 41. It only gets worse day by day by day. The giant is so big on day one, but he's a lot bigger on day two and bigger still on day three and larger still on day four. And that's, that's how it goes. Amen. So David was not overwhelmed. Reason being, David had a passion for God's honor. He had a desire for the reward, and he had a confidence in himself only because he knew he was under God's covenant anointing. That is to say, we need to have a balanced view of man's response ability and God's ability. So if we respond to God's ability, we can call it response ability, and it will lead us into the victory. We don't go in our own strength. We understand God's covenant is bringing me into the place of victory. Amen. The fifth thing we need to know about being a giant killer is that giant killers build on past success. Verses 34 to 37, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Is that not amazing, church? 
This is a young shepherd boy, but he's certainly not a little pansy, you know, playing a flute or a harp or something on a hillside. I mean, this guy, this guy has just faced savage beasts and ripped them apart with his bare hands. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Do you hear the man's reasoning? This Philistine cannot succeed. He is defying the living God. It is not Goliath against David, David against Goliath. It's Goliath against God, and God surely wins. <clears throat> Amen. So, moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That is, I have passed successes because God was with me. And my past successes guarantee that I will have current success. Amen. Number six, giant killers not only remind themselves of God's faithfulness, but they remind others also. So David has just rehearsed his great successes, and in doing so, we come to verse uh, 37b, and Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. That is to say, David has encouraged himself in the Lord, and by voicing what God has done in the past, even Saul, a former uh, um, discreditor, is now saying, you know what? <laughs> you look like you're up to it, kid. Go, and the Lord be with you. Amen? And, and what you want to learn from that is this. If we don't believe in God at work in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure, no one else will. Amen. Number seven, giant killers don't try to be someone else. Verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. I want you to picture this. David <laughs> is not the largest man in Israel. Saul is. And I want you to picture Saul's helmet on David's head. Saul's armor on David's body. And Saul thinking, this will help you, son. You cannot beat a giant with someone else's armor and weapons. You can't. Hello? So... David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. I have not tested them. So David took them off. 
Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Listen, in crisis, others will try to dress you like themselves, but you will never ever defeat your enemy using someone else's armor someone else's weapons. You have to find out what God has given you to take into the battle. Are you getting this? Listen, Moses is called to deliver Israel. So, so he gets them to the Red Sea, and now he's confused because here comes the Egyptian army, and it looks like certain defeat. They're going to be they're they're going to be massacred by these nasty Egyptians coming after them. So Moses is standing at the Red Sea, whining, and God comes and says, "Moses, knock it off." And Moses is like. What are we going to do? There's nothing to do. God says, what do you have? I don't have anything. He says, yes, you do. What do you have? Well, I have this staff. That's it. Whatever I already put in your hand, that's what you need. That will do the trick. Church, you don't have to get something new to beat a giant. You have to use what you have. Come on. Jesus says, hey, it's lunchtime. And we have a multitude here. What are we going to do, disciples? We're doomed, Jesus. It's impossible. We can't feed this group. Why can't we feed them? We don't have enough sandwiches. We don't have enough lunch foods, etc. It's like, what do you mean you don't have enough? What do you have? Well, we got five little fish and a couple of loaves. That'll do. That'll do. It's not what you don't have. It's what do you have. And that is enough in God's hands. The widow is overwhelmed in life. And she she recognizes, my son and I are going to die today. And the man of God comes and says, it doesn't have to go that way. It doesn't need to go that way. She says, well, yes, it is. We're going to starve to death today. And he says, like, It doesn't have to be like that. Don't you have something? She said, yeah. (laughs) Like for a last meal, we have this much flour and this much oil. And what does the man of God say? Perfect. Are you listening, church? Don't think about what you don't have. Look around and see what do you have. And God's response to that is enough. Hallelujah. 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 Little boy's lunch served multitudes. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Number eight, giant killers face the challenge with higher purpose. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you, take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David had no good reason whatsoever to risk his life except that God's covenant be fulfilled. He did it to honor God. Number nine, giant killers are eager to win. They are eager to begin. Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, just like 40 other days this had happened, the Philistine came out to taunt Israel that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I just love the picture. I just love the picture. David couldn't wait for the battle to begin because he already knew what the outcome would be. He was certain of the victory. Amen? The army had been looking at Goliath as a huge obstacle. David could only see a target too big to miss. Amen. And last but not least, giant killers take others higher. Verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took a sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance to the, of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sha'raim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Church, you can be a giant killer. You just need to know these 10 things and know and recognize and lean hard into this truth. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Lean into this truth. Is God, if God is for us, who can successfully stand against us? Lean into this truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. You can be a giant killer in 2021. Lean into this truth. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works among us or works in us. Thank you, Jesus. We are going into 2021 equipped for victory after 
victory, not success and defeat and a little this and a little that, but a victorious year of advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's just pray. Father, thank you for 2020 and all that has transpired. But in 2021, Father, we are asking for a bigger, better, more successful campaign of victory, taking us from win to win to win, from victory to victory, from faith to faith, from hope to hope. In 2021, our response to your ability is that we will step out and not allow the giants to come into the land and defy the living God. We will stand up as champions of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and push back against the assault of the enemy. In Jesus' name, thank you that we already have the victory over yesterday's lions and bears and will have the victory over next year's Goliaths. In Jesus' name, amen.